But Merry Christmas, guys. Welcome here to Victory for Christmas, whether in the room or watching online. I wanted to start off Christmas Sunday uh, a little bit differently, and that is I thought it'd be fun to look at a few Christmas facts together as a church. It's cold outside. It's Christmas. Maybe you've already unwrapped your presents. Maybe you've already done Christmas at your house. We did it early this morning. But I thought it'd be fun for us to look at a few facts about Christmas, this being one of the rare years that it's on Christmas Day. So we'll throw those up there just to kind of start. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I thought it'd be fun to start Christmas this way. All right, so this is just the United States. I don't know if the rest of the world has their act together, but this is just us here in the States. We, this Christmas, this Christmas, all of you people, not me, all of you people, you purchased 4.6 million pounds of wrapping paper. Come on, somebody. For $2.6 billion. How many know that's a little bit of a chunk of change? How many like to have that money back when you saw it just destroyed at Christmas time? We will buy 1.6 billion Christmas cards this year. Enough to fill an NFL football field 10 stories high. Come on, somebody. And you will still forget somebody on your list. That is just the way that Christmas cards seem to go. All right, next one. If each family contributed two feet of their Christmas bows, we could tie a bow around the planet. I can tell you guys love this. This is great. This is going this is going really well. All right. One in ten gifts on Christmas will be broken by New Year's Eve. Come on, somebody. We have already we have already met that quota in the workman house. I don't know if you've met that. We've already we've actually exceeded. We've broken two already before New Year's Eve. Seven in ten dogs will be given a Christmas gift by their owner. That's a good three in ten dog owners are scum of the earth, everybody. So I don't know what you're doing if you're not giving. During the Christmas run-up, Amazon has sold 300 items per second this time, everybody. And you are still buying them in frantic mode this morning. Santa Claus will have to visit 832 homes a second to get all of his gifts in time. So some of your parents will have to think of something before your children learn math. There we go. You'll just have to come up with something for them. 25% of Christmas shopping is spent standing in line. Now, I have been to Costco 10 times or four times in the last 10 days, and I think this number is soft, everybody. I think this is a little low because we had it is madness in Costco this week. 60% of Americans will receive unwanted gift. 52% of them will re-gift it to someone else within the year. There you go. You get your... You think? And then finally, when asked what they would give their spouse or significant other in return for wrapping all of the holiday gifts. So what they would give their significant other or spouse if they wrapped all the gifts. 33% said they would buy them an extra gift. 18% said they would let them pick the movie that week. 9% said they would take the trash out for the week. However, 49% of women claimed it would not matter because they would not allow their spouse to wrap the gifts anyway. There you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. It's good. Good times. Honestly, there's more of you here than I expected this morning. Merry Christmas to all of you guys uh, in the room. Everybody watching online, we are honored that you joined us for Christmas this morning. I started getting together some of those facts, and I thought we would just have a short conversation this morning. Because I looked at some of those facts about gifts and about presents and wrapping and how many different presents we would all buy. And I started to think about gifts because it's Christmas time and it's gift-giving time. And so I jotted down a few different gifts that we give, a few types of gifts. that we. And there's a lot of them, but I jotted down three of them because I'm a pastor and I have preacher's disease. And so things come in threes. And so I jotted down three types of gifts that we give. And maybe you'll find one of the gifts you gave this morning in this list. All right. So the first one, if you're being honest with ourselves, one of the types of gifts that we give is a gift for a gift gift. You follow with me, everybody? It's going to be a little hard to understand this morning. 
A gift for a gift, gift. And if you're following with me, what a gift for a gift is, is if somebody were to give you a gift, and you were to look at that gift and try to figure out how much they might have spent on it. Let's just be honest, right? If somebody gave you a gift, you thought, how much did they actually spend on me? And then you have to run out and get a gift for the person who gave you a gift somewhere in the ballpark of what they spent, right? Everybody, are we being honest today? This is the reactive gift. And so a gift for a gift is this idea that we get this, this gift on Christmas or maybe a surprise gift that we didn't know they were giving us something. And so we got to run down to the mall or Best Buy or wherever it is. And we got to pick out a gift to give back to the person who gave it to us. Now, the thing about a gift for a gift is all of us have done it. Let's just be honest. All of us have done this before. But the second thing is a gift for a gift keeps a long score. A gift for a gift is this person now has a mental picture of what that gift was and whether or not they've been given a gift back. You ever heard somebody say, well, I got them something really nice and they didn't get me nothing. Or I got them something last year and this year they just forgot my name altogether. That's a gift for a gift. Keeps long stores. And honestly, this gift feeds the cash registers of our culture today, everybody. Because this is the idea. Every Christmas Eve, last night, there are thousands of Baton Rouge residents who run out to get a gift for a gift that unexpectedly came. And honestly, I think this is what feeds the Christmas card industry. Because if you've ever received a Christmas card from someone that you weren't expecting, then you have to go and think, oh, goodness, I have to get a Christmas card for them. And the worst thing in the world is getting a Christmas card on Christmas Eve, right? Because there's no time to retaliate. There's no time to try to send a Christmas card back. And so you send a text, thank you so much, we love you. Here's a picture of our Christmas card to give them back a thing. A gift for a gift. And all of us have done this. The second type is what we would call a gift for a favor gift. And so a gift for a favor gift is not that they would give a gift and expect a gift in return. This is a person who gives a gift and then thinks, oh boy, you better do something nice for me in the future. It's a gift for a favor. This is the person who loves to keep score in gift giving. They like having IOUs out in all around the place because they like having things out throughout the year that then they can call in favors. This is the gift for the year. And honestly, a lot of employers do this, right? At the end of the year, they give a turkey or a ham or a cash bonus uh, to the employees. And they think they're not asking the employees to then give them a turkey in advance, right? Because that would be funny if we did. But they're actually giving it and they're thinking, okay, I'm giving you this gift so that next year, what? Next year, you'll keep your head down. Next year, you'll, you'll be a good employee. Next year, you'll keep things quiet, right? You won't say bad things. You'll kind of be a, you know, you'll kind of keep your mouth shut and just do your work. And so around March, if you say anything bad about them, then the gift for a favor, they begin to think, didn't we give Bill a turkey at Christmas? Didn't we? Isn't that what we did? We gave him, we gave him a turkey. Didn't I say bad things about us? That's what a gift for a favor is. And all of us have done that. But then there's a third gift this morning that I want to talk to you. And the best name I can come up with it is a grace gift. So we've all given gifts for gifts, right? We've all given gifts hoping we would get one back. We've all given gifts for favor, whether we would admit it or not. We've all given gifts hoping they would be nice to us. But the third type this morning is just a grace gift. And a grace gift, I best way I can explain it, would be a gift given... And this is the only thing I think you need to remember this morning. A grace gift is a gift given that's unrepayable. A gift given that can't be paid back. And the grace gift, the best way I can say it is, and obviously I'm stealing this term from the gift God gave through his son. That God gave Jesus that through him we have eternal life. And this is a grace gift that we cannot ever earn. We cannot ever work for. We could never, ever 
repay. And a grace gift is just unrepayable. It's unrepayable in the way. But when we look at the grace gift that God gave his son, when we talk about the verse that God would give Jesus, that no, no one would perish, but all would be saved. When he gave his son that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus could have eternal life. When we look at that gift, we would automatically just say it's unrepayable. We would say there's no way I could pay it back. But as Christians, if we're honest, we try try our hardest to complicate it. We try our very best to complicate the gift. We try to evaluate it. We try to overcomplicate it. We try to turn it into a gift for a gift. Or we try to turn it into a gift for a favor. But remember it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a grace gift. And I don't care how much we try to overcomplicate it, how much we try to turn it into a gift for a gift or a gift for a favor. It's an unrepayable gift of grace. It's a grace gift that while we were sinners, God gave his son to buy us back. That's what Christmas is about. And there have been so many theologies and commentaries, and they all have their place, but not when they crowd out the simple. That God gave his son to buy us back. And so this Christmas, it's the simplicity of the gospel. It's Family Sunday. And this is something that can be understood from the youngest to the very oldest. That God gave his son to buy us back. He came to save us. That he came to redeem us. And redemption is a complicated word that you hear a lot of times at Easter. And you hear it all throughout the year. All redemption means is to buy back. It means to buy back. That God has given us a gift to buy us back. That when we could not reach God, Jesus stepped down, linked arms with humanity, and healed the connection. That Jesus came to save us. That Christmas is God himself coming to buy us back. To redeem us. That's the unrepayable gift of grace God gives us. That when we could not do it ourselves, when we were sinners, when we could not reach God, God came for us. A few years ago, I had an opportunity to make a connecting flight through Houston. And as most of my trips go, I was late for my flight. And so I'm running through Houston Airport. I'm I'm sprinting as fast as I can to get to the gate. If you've ever been in that position, you're like pushing people left and right. You don't care what anybody thinks. You have to make your flight. And so I'm running through and I'm huffing and puffing. I'm not really in shape. I'm not really out of shape. I'm just a shape, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that's just how my life kind of have gone. And so I'm running as fast as I can though. And I get there all the way to the, the plane. And in Houston, in the domestic side, what they have are these little kind of mini terminals off the main one where you're kind of on ground level with the plane and it's all glass doors. And so I get there and the gate agent is locking the glass door to the little little runway ramp that's just a couple of steps up to the little plane. And I see the guy in the little funny vehicle pushing the plane out to the tarmac. And I run up and I say who I am and I give that universal gesture of like, that's my plane, right? And I'm so out of breath. And I, and I never forget the guy looked at me and he looked at the plane and he looked at me and he opened and sprinted out that door onto the tarmac. And he ran up to the guy in the little vehicle and he said something. And both of them started waving their hands at the pilot. And I'm just like trying to catch my breath and wonder what in the world is going on. And to my amazement, the little guy in the funny little vehicle started pulling the plane back to the steps. And something happened that has not happened in the history of the world for someone of your social status or my social status. They opened the door of the plane and they let me get on. 
and they let me. Now, I don't care if all the passengers hated me. I don't know what laws were broken. I don't know what had to happen for me to get on the plane. But I got to get on my plane and make my flight. Now, travel check with me here. All throughout the Old Testament, God had his plan for redemption. His plan working through his chosen people, the Israelites. But 2,000 years ago, and Paul writes about this in Romans, 2,000 years ago, something happened that has not happened for someone like you or someone like me. And Jesus Christ opened the door to salvation for all. That 2,000 years ago, he was born on this earth to save us and redeem us. That Paul writes in Romans that we who are far off are brought close. That we, we who could not reach God, we who were lost in our sins, those of us who were too far gone to be saved, Jesus Christ stepped down, opened the door to salvation, something that had not happened for us, and brought us back. That God has sent his son, he's given us a gift of grace to buy us back, to redeem us. And Isaiah 9 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's us, everybody. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, who walked, it says, the shadow of darkness, the shadow of death, on them light has shone. That God has given us a gift, unrepayable, a gift of grace, not a gift for a gift, not a gift for a favor, a gift that is unrepayable to buy us back. And then later on in the chapter in Isaiah 9, it says, for us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. On Christmas morning 2,000 years ago, the light shone in the world. That God has given us a gift to buy us back. And I hope you remember this year that God did it for a purpose. Because now we are called to be carriers of that same light in the grace that we've been given. Philippians says, living in this generation among whom you are called to be lights in the universe. Matthew, Jesus says, you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You are the light of the world. He says, now let your light shine so that all may see it and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be a light in this world, a light in the darkness. That God has given his son to buy us back. Let's celebrate the miracle of Christmas together. If you would, go ahead and grab out the candle we put on your chair this morning. I want to just kind of have this moment. We have it every year as a church family. But I want us to remember, as we light these candles, I want us to remember this moment. And I want us to remember, we've been celebrating the Advent that Jesus not only came not only is at work in the world today, and not only that, he will come again. And so as we talk about this, that Christ has brought us back. As we talk about this, that Christ has brought the light into this world, that we dwelt in darkness, but a light now has shone. I want us to see it as we light these candles. And as we do, I just want to ask one more question. And we'll bring the lights down so we can get ready to kind of light these, but... I want to ask you one more question. That is, if you're here today or you're watching online or wherever you are, you're listening later on, whatever it is, I just want to ask you. I want to ask you where you are. And I don't mean physically. I don't mean are you in the room or are you in your car or wherever it is. I want to ask you, where are you in relation to God? And maybe this Christmas you found yourself in a place where you feel like I am as far from God as I've ever been. 
Or maybe you feel like you're in a place where you feel like, well, I've already missed the plane. It's closed to me. Or maybe you feel like I've done too much to ever be loved. And I would just ask you, wherever you are, I would just ask you to consider. And it'd be my honor to tell you, if you've never heard before, that I don't care who you are, but Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done, he still loves you. And he still wants you, and he still came to buy you back. He still came to free you. And so whether you think the plane is closed, whether you think you're too far gone, whatever it is, I want you to know God still loves you more than you could possibly imagine, and he wants you. And so this Christmas morning, I can't think of a better time to tell you that he loves you, to tell you that God wants you. And so before you light these candles, I would just give you an opportunity, an invitation to follow Jesus. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you in front of your relatives or whatever it is. I just want to introduce you to Jesus. That he loves you. That he came for you. That he wants to buy you back. And so this morning, if that's you, if you say, I'd love to follow him. I'd love for him to make my life brand new. I'd love for him to come into my life and change everything. If that's you, it would be our honor to pray with you. On Christmas morning, it would be our honor. Our church is dedicated. We will pray this prayer with any person who wants to pray it. Because we believe, we believe that God loves every single person. That no one is too far gone. So every head bowed for just a moment. If you want to pray that, then I would invite you to pray this prayer with us. It's a prayer of surrender. It's the first step to following him. It surrenders our lives. And so right now, church, let's pray with everyone who wants to pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now church, we're going to light these candles this morning. And I want you to see this not only as a beautiful moment we have as a church family. But as what happens when a little bit of light enters the world. And what happens when light enters someone's life. Because it's amazing what a little bit of light can do. I'm going to light my candle and then I'll light the front row. Just continue to light the ones behind you and share it throughout the whole sanctuary. And then we'll sing together as a church as we do. Come on, church, let's sing.
sing it one more time. If you can, would you just lift your candle and let's just sing together. This is one of my favorite moments of the entire year as a church. That we as one church family, we just remember that 2,000 years ago, the light entered the world and we are forever changed. That when we could not reach God, Jesus came for us. And when we were lost in our sins, he redeemed us. And when we could not do it on our own, he picked us up. And so this year, and this year that's coming, it's just my prayer for you that in every situation, whatever we walk through, we would remember the light that Christ brings. That every dark situation, every moment in your life can be turned and look as beautiful as what you're looking at right now. That's my prayer for all of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a good amen and amen. Well, from our family to yours, everybody, Merry Christmas. We'll see you next Sunday morning.